So, dear brothers and sisters, every day, every action that we do has a, a possible number of, of, of outcomes. We'll just look at, we'll try and keep it simple just so we don't get lost in detail here. But everything we do will probably be either a success or a failure, right? You know, like you, you, uh, you do an exam, you pass it, or you fail. Now, you, hopefully, hopefully you're aiming for more than a pass. Hopefully you're actually aiming to do well. Uh, but you pass or you fail, or in, in, uh, you do an interview, you get it or you don't, or you're looking for a promotion, you get it or you don't, or whatever it is. Uh, in sport as well, either you, you win the match or you lose. Drawing is rare enough. Uh, so it's, what's interesting is to look at how we react in those situations. So say, for example, say, because I, I was clearing a table this morning and I overheard a conversation which... I slowly cleared, as I was so slowly clearing another table and taking half the things off so I could spend a little longer at that table so I could listen to a little more of the conversation. It was very interesting. But one of the ladies at the table said, um, expectation is pressure. Expectation is pressure. You know, because one of the ladies said to the other lady, oh, you'll do that now, you'll be fantastic. And she said, oh, don't do that now. Expectation is pressure. <laughs> she was from Cork. Um, Right. And I thought, actually, that's, that's an interesting one. Expectation is pressure. So, say, for example, you do well in, in an exam. There's an, a, a possible, there are possible outcomes to that now. I might feel under pressure. Genie, I have to get the next one right as well. You know, I'm after doing well. Now I have to kind of maintain this reputation of being smart by having to do well in the next exam. Or if it's the same with sports, same with any, anything, any relationship, any, any, anything we try. If it succeeds... Some of us may feel under pressure to maintain that facade of perfection or, the, or that level of, of, of success. Um, others might be just tempted just to plain pride. Aren't I amazing? <laughs> you know, uh, that's another, another possible thing. We spoke a, a couple of weeks ago about virtue being in the center of two extremes, you know, deficiency and excess. And virtue is in the middle, where we're not... Uh, as a guy, think of, again, you think of any virtue, think of, of purity, for example. The uh, deficiency of purity is obviously sleeping around and Im- immorality and so on, but the excess of purity is, to, is, is kind of is, you know, prudishness or, oh my goodness, it's a woman, avert your eyes, you know. That's, that's not purity either, you know. So purity is in the middle of deficiency and excess. So, but our, our lives, our, our daily lives are full, are full of situations that go well or go badly. And our responsibility then as, as Christians is, is how do we react to that? Okay, something goes well, does it lead me to pride? Does it lead me to, you know, this sense of, oh, Jenny, there's an expectation on me now, so I'm just feeling under pressure? Uh, does it lead me to maybe a laissez-faire uh, reaction where I'm good now, sure, that went well, so everything's fine, no? And then let everything else slip. How do we react? Or then when things go badly, when things go, like anybody who, who works on a trade or works outside, things are constantly going wrong. That's how we fix things, you know? So you're lining things up, and things don't line up, right? Or the mortar that you got is old, so it doesn't actually have the, the life in it that it's supposed to, and it's going too stiff, too fast. It's actually, after dropping to four degrees, now your mortar is just like a it's just rotten, it's like dealing with mala. It just doesn't work anymore. Or the, the load that was to be delivered is now late. So now 
Janie, we can scrounge a couple of blocks from here and there and there, but we actually need to get this up. And the, you know. So there's, you're constantly problem-solving, constantly. You, know, you discover halfway into the job that your spirit level wasn't actually level at all. <laughs> that one's hell. Oh, my goodness. When you discover that your tools, your measuring tools, aren't actually measuring correctly, that one's awful. So how do you react? How do we react in these situations? Do we just uh, like to blazes with it, like, I, I, can't, I can't do this and just give up? Or do you try to find solutions? Okay, why am I saying all this? Because in our moral lives, it's very, very similar. We're constantly, we're constantly, it's not being, I don't like the expression being tested. I don't like the, uh, even though it is biblically true, so consider this my own personal opinion. I don't like the idea of God standing there testing us. Because it, makes, it doesn't make him seem like a loving father anymore. So I don't particularly like that expression, even though, as I say, it is biblical. But I think he provides us opportunities to grow in virtue. He provides us opportunities to grow in virtue. And our day is absolutely full of them. Full of them. Just this morning, serving breakfast and in the chapel now. And then even in a silent room, in your own head. I remember my granny said to me once in her, in, in her late years, she said, I bless us and save us. She says, she says I'm, I'm, I'm too old now to sin anymore. And I said, well, Granny, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> like, you can just sit there and be seething with jealousy, anger, pride, even impurity. You don't need a healthy body for that. You can still sit there, you know. And all these things, you can just, without moving a muscle, you can be filled with hatred, and violent intent and revenge, you know, all of this without moving a muscle. So, unfortunately, yes, yes, you can still very much sin, even in a, in, in a weakened body. So, all day, every day, we have these opportunities, all day. How do we react? What do I choose to do? I heard a very interesting podcast not so long ago where uh, the, the speakers, they said that Our Lady's heart was pierced. Our Lady suffered seeing Jesus so hated and mistreated and the <coughs> violence and the vitriol poured out upon him when he had done nothing wrong. But Our Lady, seeing all this violence and all this hatred, her own heart being pierced, she didn't close her heart. In fact, these, these wounds, these, these, these seven wounds, as, as they're traditionally called, caused her heart to open, that then at the foot of the cross she was able to become mother of all mankind, her universal motherhood, expressed or declared by Jesus. That's very often not our reaction, that the rejections, the hurts, the failures cause our hearts to close and I understand it, like it's a form of self-protection. If people can't get in, then they can't hurt me. So it's, 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 it's an understandable reaction. I don't believe it's the right reaction, but it, it's understandable. Our Lady's heart, when it suffered, didn't cause it to close. Cause her to love even more. And that's why when we read in our Gospel today, this, the call of Levi, right, the call of Matthew, and Matthew would have been a, like, if you will, a public sinner. I mean, to work with the, 
invasive forces of the occupying forces of Rome and to take the taxes for them and then to defraud your own people more than likely because they were illiterate so you could always charge an extra two or three percent they wouldn't notice for yourself you know so tax collectors were hated and then Jesus calls him what on earth was he was he thinking like what was he thinking why and so the scribes and the Pharisees they're asking this same question why you like this is this guy is like horrendous. I mean, he's defrauding his own people, working for, for the Romans. It's like filth. And now your religious guru type person is hanging out with him. Why? Surely if he was a man of God, he would know what kind of a man this is. He isn't good. He's a sinner. And Jesus says it's not those who are well who need the doctor, but the sick. And 2,000 years later, those lines apply to you and to me. It's not those who are well who need the doctor, but you and I. Because we're the ones who are sinners. We're the ones in need of healing. We're the ones in need of God's consolation. We're the ones who need to be, who need to be wrapped up and bandaged and taken care of and brought up into the Father's arms, and brought home. That's you and I. That's you and I. So those words, while they weren't expressed at that time with you in mind, they're absolutely relevant to you and I. You and I, we have, we have so many opportunities every day to grow in virtue, to grow in grace. If a, if the, if a thing is successful, it can cause us to greater virtue. It can also... Be a, be a motive for vice. If something is a failure, it can be a, a motivation to try harder, to call on the Lord more, to rely on him, so then it draws us even closer to him, or it can cause us to give up, just sloth, don't care, don't, doesn't matter, don't have to try. Who cares? So success or failure, both have, can have reactions that are excessive or deficient. Both can lead us to virtue. It depends on how we react. It depends on my heart. It depends on how much I count on the Lord. But for when we get it wrong, for those occasions when we fall short of the mark, the Lord is there not to condemn us, but to bandage us, to pick us up, to look at us and say, yes, you're, you're not perfect, but I have come for you. I have come to bring you home. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full.